Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, folks, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And we are coming to you on Holy Thursday. Maundy Thursday. Traditionally. Maundy. What, what, ta- what does that mean? So it's a <laughs> Monday, Thursday. Perhaps some quick research just happened, maybe, yeah. or maybe just coming from your, you know, vast uh, mind of wisdom. We'll see. No, no, it's a. I've heard Protestants call Holy Thursday Monday Thursday. I was just talking to uh, one Elliot McClarty who said he's almost exclusively heard it referred to as that in Protestant circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a respect for that or if they're just kind of poking fun at Catholic traditions. Huh. Maybe that's just maybe that it's a naive thing that they think this is what Catholics call Holy Thursday or some sort of English language. Well, it it um, it us. is it is from the English language. It comes from the medieval English, huh. um, which is a derivative of the Latin mandatum. Ah, oh, I give you a oh. new commandment to go and love one another with the, the traditional images of the commissioning at the Last Supper and the foot washing. Cool. The from that's it's a derivative in English of the mandatum. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think most Catholics go around and, and do that, you know, use that phrasing, but That's it is Holy cool. Thursday as we record this, and my, it's my good to be together. Not unlike Maundy, however you say that, mm-hmm. uh, mandate Thursday as you, as you would. Um, I'm a big fan of Shrove Tuesday. Sure. <laughs> Fat Tuesday, but also I just learned about that recently. Uh, it's called Shrove Tuesday. So yeah. I think it was this year I might have intentionally gone to confession on I was shriven on Tuesday just you so I could shriven. say that I was, you know, that I did it. <laughs> wow. We got to have a little bit more uh, um, etymology lessons. Well, no, no, English I was just going to say, we got we to kind of warm this up a little bit more banter first, but I was going to say, I just almost gave the smoothest transition into our topic. Yes, um, with confession. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll just let, let's sit there for a sec. But, let, let it dangle. Um, we'll come back. <laughs> we'll, we'll circle around. We did oh, a drive-by. This, uh, drive this is my first triduum as a priest. Well, really, for a long time. Well, yeah. Kind of not doing anything. I, I'm doing something. It's just a lot of celebrating all the liturgy at the cathedral. And then I have a uh, a Sunday morning. Well, it should be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the noon mass at cathedral um, in Spanish mm-hmm. sometimes exceeds. Palm Sunday was like 800 people at this thing. Wow. Um, so hopefully it'll be big. We don't Good. have anything to give out. That's kind of why it's a little attractive when you get those palms. Or ashes um, on ashes. Oh, yeah, Wednesday. really, which is the same thing. Interesting what those palms yeah. are doing. But, yeah, yeah it'll be really good. Um, you know, seminary was a really beautiful time, especially in college seminary. As a conception in that year, as in spirituality year, it was uh, really just retreat. The triduum was a retreat, a silent retreat. Um, and the liturgies, especially with the monks at conception and then with the cathedral kind of community in Denver, it was an opportunity of just entering deeply, drinking deeply from the like the truth of the Paschal mystery, but then the the rich liturgical life that the church has offered us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a little too late when you hear this, but I hope you had a chance to take advantage of the triduum liturgy, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of extension of the Paschal mystery in these three days of Maundy Thursday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then the kind of vigil of Easter uh, that starts on Saturday night. Yeah, it's a great privilege for priests to be a pastor, mm-hmm. to to be the one who's presiding and, and shepherding your people through this extended liturgy experience. Um, and they're working hard. So uh, thank your priests for all their work during Holy Week. All those pastors out there serving in parishes, it takes days and days and days to prepare these liturgies. 
the, the music, the greeters, the ushers, the lectors, the servers, the decorations. Oh yeah. All of that. Plus the homilies, you know, um, these are, these are big, big liturgies and it's the high point. And, and I know your pastors out there listening to this, uh, and to all, to all the pastors of our, of our faithful listeners, they want to, to lead everyone through these sacred mysteries as we mark the Paschal, uh, Paschal well, and, feast. And here's the, as we do mark the Paschal feast, and as this kind of still comes out within the Easter season, the, the point of, I, this is what I love about, I really love about being Catholic, but especially like with a liturgical life, these, these big events happen in a moment, but then we actually have seasons and we have the whole year to unpack them. Mm-hmm. We're baptized, and as we've done baptisms, Father Shane, you more than I have, it's like you baptize, and the, the baptism itself literally takes like three seconds. You know, right. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Bam. Done. It's like your life has just changed um, radically. <laughs> like Your soul was just configured to that of Christ, and it happened in a moment, right? Mm-hmm. Then you get the rest of your life to unpack what that means, right? I hope that Sunday Mass changes for you, listener, for me like priest after having experienced the true to him in like a new way this year, you mm-hmm. know, that's always the hope that it's like, it's not just something that happened. And then you can look back with some nostalgia and say, Oh, that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And then you look ahead to, Oh, okay. What's the next thing that's happening? It's like, no, there's this liturgical year, the cycle of, of the seasons so that we can enter more deeply over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that's the hope. Yeah. And, and as you say, we don't just celebrate Holy Week and we don't celebrate these sacred mysteries just because it's like, oh, that was an event that was kind of cute. Just like, yeah, yeah there's pastels and ham and bunnies or whatever. Like, yeah, there's something sacred. transformative. Mm-hmm. And, and the Holy Spirit, when we come with open minds and hearts, the Holy Spirit can give a new intuition, a new aspiration, a new inspiration, uh, even just a new consideration that pops out at us from the liturgical prayers or the scriptures themselves. Hopefully that's the case. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was a meeting with really the beautiful uh, fraternity that happens at the the men's group that you had started years ago mm-hmm. um, with it with different the healing huddle yeah the healing huddle if you will mm-hmm. a nice alliteration as mm-hmm. you always got to have you yes know? I do like um, alliteration we were, I was just kind of really trying to give an invitation to uh, stepping into the celebration of the triduum with more. Uh, Maybe fervor this year, mm-hmm. and I made some comment about you know Easter has to be more than wearing like a, your new I don't know the freshest pastel plaid shirt you found at JC Penney's and right. cooking some ham. You know I was like it's got to be something more than that. And what is it? You know that stuff is. And one guy said, "Well, now I don't feel like I can cook ham this year." And I said, <laughs> "Cook the ham, but do it in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, not just because it's what you have to do because they're on sale at Hy-Vee. You know it's right. like make it make it something different, um, which is which is funny, but. Right. Also, what was hilarious was I got all revved up about um, at the end of the the topic I want to bring in that was discussed. We're circling back. Uh, we are circling back. Okay. We are. I was getting revved up about the fact that like everybody, everybody has stuff in their life. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has big family stuff, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, psychological illness, death that's happened in the past, big mistakes that people have made. Like everybody has stuff and then most of us kind of just pretend like we don't have stuff mm-hmm. and like we just keep it all you know under wraps we're fine we're all fine. fine we're good we're doing fine and then we think everybody else is fine so then it's this competition thing and whatever else well as many of our listeners know um the iowa hawkeye girls basketball team um they were in the in the in the championship game for mm-hmm. the ncaa tournament mm-hmm. right and um I, I am not a sports guy mm-hmm. i'm the first one to admit that I like going to sporting events, going to a Cardinals game when I was in St. Louis. Love doing that, right? Mm-hmm. I love going to sporting events and hanging out with people. I don't really care. 
by watching sports. Now, that's no offense against people who do, but I was getting revved up with the guys, and I said, it's interesting how we can get so worked up about, like, the Twitter comments about, like, there's all this fighting and stuff, like, the, you know, between LSU fans and between Iowa fans over the end of the game and the, the, the referees' decisions and all this stuff, and I said, like, guys, like, who actually cares about, like, like girls, when it really comes down to it, it's like, we've got all these real things happening in our lives. Who really cares about, you know, girls' basketball? Dave Ferris had literally just driven back from from Dallas. It was right behind me. And he raised his hand. He said, I do. Sure. I care about it. Sure. <laughs> it's like, he was supporting the girls, supporting the girls yeah. which is good. But what was so beautiful, the discussion that came up in this, and I just think a lot of uh, us men, a lot of people, but I think this is a particular struggle for for men. And it was, it was apparent there because a lot of guys shared their experience, but a struggle to forgive, not just in general, but like a really a struggle to forgive injustice when it happens. Whether that's like personally to us, um, especially I think as men, when, when something happens to another person, right, either in our care, like in who we love, right, or maybe even to the church or to our community or to our society, right, when a real injustice occurs, we feel that deeply, and there's a desire to like right the wrong that's been committed, right, and it's and then in the midst of that, it's like, well, you're just supposed to forgive that person, this situation, and there's a struggle, I think, on a lot of people's minds and hearts to forgive how do we actually do that you know Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping we can just kind of riff on that a little bit today yeah i'm sure that was a good launching point for your men's discussion because having the the women's hawkeye basketball team in the national champion yeah the national championship game this big historic televised event with a lot of tension in there um some controversy at the end of the game questions abound about is this player or that player, these athletes going to forgive one another? Are there going to be grudges that can just open up a huge conversation to say, how do we understand forgiveness in general based on this women's team that had a historic season? Um, The Easter mystery, as we have found out, especially since Pope John Paul II instituted the feast of divine mercy right Mm. after Easter on the second Sunday of Easter as ordered by Jesus through St. Faustina in the 1930s, the, the whole Easter season has to take on this theme of redeeming forgiveness, redeeming love, redeeming communion. Mm. Um, otherwise, yeah, Easter gets can, can get reduced to just a celebration that Jesus has risen from the grave. And it's springtime, it's nice outside. Yeah. And granted, Jesus being risen from the grave, overcoming sin and death, that's a really big deal. Mm. It's the focal point of all history, right? Mm. Um, But why does that matter to me? Yeah, why does that matter? Is it just kind of a a cool gee whiz thing that's like the greatest of all miracles that kind of happened in a historical context? Or is that still transforming me? Mm. How is the Easter mystery rising up in me again through a life of conversion, through a life of transformation, through a life of forgiveness? Yeah. And, and I think that's what Divine Mercy Sunday provides us. Just, you know, one week after Easter Sunday, we're, we're focusing on the great mystery of love that was came about because of Easter Sunday and the Paschal mystery and continues to be extended to all of us as God is constantly calling us back into union with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, Father Shane. I think what was so helpful and what is so helpful to really make this move is like, okay, Yes, I can say objectively that I'm supposed to forgive people because Jesus forgave me, right? One, I'm, I'm convinced that most people don't actually know what it means that Jesus like died to forgive us from our sins. Mm-hmm. Everybody's taught that when they're a kid. You know, and I remember it was, it was a big deal for me when I like really understood what that meant, you mm-hmm. know? And I think it's when I started to study anthropology and understand who I am, right? My identity as like a beloved son of God 
created in, in God's image and likeness made with an eternal destiny, but then also like where my own free will and my own sin and my own brokenness, right. That has come from original sin, my own personal sin, all those things, how those all get kind of gathered up together how that actually has to do with my life right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not some idea that, oh, yeah, one time, a long time ago, Jesus did this thing that then kind of affects us. And we're just supposed to kind of remember that with like a, a fondness, of, with a nostalgia. And it's like, no, that 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 can't be the case. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't, saints aren't made from that. People don't lay down their lives as martyrs for, for this kind of just like vague idea of, no, like that there has to be some like real forgiveness that happens. Um, and I think that's mercy. Like what really, what is mercy? And again, we... We do this like etymology stuff so often, not just because we like to nerd out because, but it's really helpful to understand what we're talking about. You know, um, my friends are Byzantine Catholic. So very much like the Orthodox, they pray the Jesus prayer, mm-hmm. which clearly influenced like the divine mercy chaplet. Right. Um, just like being in Poland, like that kind of, you know, just the style of prayer of like really focus on mercy. The Eastern liturgy is filled with that. Like they say, Lord have mercy all the time. Mm-hmm. The daytime prayer, they say it like, 60 sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> mother Natalia will correct me. <laughs> uh, you probably know exactly how many times you say it, but mercy misericordia in Latin is beautiful. It's to take misery to heart. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the proposal of the church and of Christ through the Paschal mystery is to allow Jesus to take our misery to his heart. And then that's like the, the project of forgiveness is to bring our own misery and others' miseries to the heart of Christ mm-hmm. and to allow real healing and forgiveness to take place there. Because I think what people keep coming down on when they, when they ask, how do I forgive myself? That's always a big question. How do I forgive others who've wronged me, right? How do I forgive uh, just people in the world or the culture that is kind of doing me harm or doing our children harm? Or not? How do I forgive political opponents? Right? How do I forgive these people an example, even in a game where like my opponent clearly doesn't look like it's a just decision that was made. How do I actually bring about that forgiveness? Right. I think the first move is to take into account where is the misery? Like where is the brokenness at, at play? Like, of course, like that French novel that turned into the, the musical Les Miserables, right? Mm-hmm. Like the miserables, like this miserable situation. You can like look at like what led to the French revolution and say like, there was a lot of misery, there's a lot of difficulty, right? And it was like it something sparked and something happened, right? So it's like just like that, that situation, where's the misery in my life? Like where's the brokenness in my life? Where's the difficulty? Where's that lack of fulfillment that I have or that dissatisfaction that I have? But I think the biggest thing is where is that in others? And the recognition that like I'm not fulfilled. I have a lack. I have, I'm missing something. Like I have misery in my life. Maybe it's self-imposed. Maybe it's imposed by others but also so do you. Mm-hmm. Like, so does the person in front of me. So does the person who actually hurt me, right? And when there's this recognition of misery, it's like, okay, then if there's nowhere to go with this misery, then what do we do? It was pretty hopeless, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the midst of that, Christ reveals himself as, as, as mercy himself, you know? So my friends who've offered the Jesus prayer, Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Some of those nuns told me one time what's been beautiful about the prayer of the Jesus prayer Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy, right? Jesus is mercy. Like, that's what he does. That's who he is. He takes humanity's misery to his heart and there, like, redeems it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Faustina's diary, Jesus tells him, or tells her, rather, that uh, mercy is his greatest attribute. Mm. Uh, he's very blatant about that. Um, and even as you look at the intentions 
that align with the Divine Mercy Chaplet and the Novena for Divine Mercy that begins on Good Friday and ends culminating on Divine Mercy Sunday. You, you, as you look at all those different um, intentions that bring that are brought about in the in the in the daily intercessions of the Novena, you can just tell where where Jesus wants mercy to be to be given, mm. whether that's to to lukewarm Catholics who have fallen away from His love. His merciful love wants to bring them back. Um, so to note, as you're as you're saying, where is the where is the misery within me? Where is it within one another? How does that spark a, a sense of compassion that we're all in this together? And then how do we find respite in the heart of Jesus? And handing that over to Jesus to relating that to Him is actually intended to not just simply let go and, and forget, but to actually um, offer that. Um, to commend that to him and asking him to bring about a transformation in each one of us and in our relationships. It's so key that you said that because I want to know, and I want you to break down for us, Father Shane, and help me to understand too. I know you don't just say that and use those words, like, we'll just give it to Jesus, offer to Jesus as some kind of like platitude, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've done that, you've experienced that. But I think when people just say that, I don't think we can, I don't think we know what that means sometimes, right? It's like, we'll just give it to Jesus, just offer to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe like, what does that mean? And what does that actually look like? How do I do that? You, you send know? him an email. Yeah, exactly. That's what you do. No, yeah. I, I think a lot of it is just surrendering. Huh. Uh, that which I cannot control, that which is beyond my reach, that which even seems beyond my emotional capacity due to my woundedness or my frustrations or the grudges that I'm tempted to hold on to. I, I think we literally make a prayer intention to say, I'm going to give this to you, Jesus, in as much as... I offer this as a prayerful intention, that which is beyond my capacity, and I ask you, Jesus, to guide it in your providential love, to control it with your divine governance, uh, and to bring about the healing and the restoration and the resolution that I cannot seem to see right now, nor do I see have perhaps even the mo- emotional wherewithal to bring about, mm. just because of my own brokenness. Um, when we say... I want to surrender that thing to Jesus. I want it to relate it to him. I think what we're really doing is handing him a ten, an, an intention, but we're, I think we're really handing him ourselves. Mm, yeah, yeah, you that's know, I so think, good. I think we're actually that's just shift. Hand, yeah. I think we're handing him ourselves huh. in the misery. I don't think we just hand him the misery in a prayer intention. I mean, we do that. You can go into a church and light a votive candle for that intention. But okay. if you hand yourself to Jesus and say, heal me, restore me, draw me into your love, and let me love and think and act and be like you, then all of a sudden he's able to guide us out of that misery because we're walking in and with him. And folks, if you're listening to this right now, like in kind of zoning out or whatever, it's like, listen up. That was so important because this is not a judgment made on anybody. That is how a lot of Catholics live. God has kept at arm's length, right? Mm-hmm. And we like kind of, we kind of like pitch off like intentions to him. Mm-hmm. hoping they'll kind of land somewhere, almost right. like a carnival game, right? It's like, we're going to keep throwing rings and hope one of them is going to land on a bottle at some point. Right. You know, and hope God's not tricky and didn't like spray a bunch of Pam all over him or something <laughs> like that. It's like, but we're just going to keep launching them, right? It's like with, and it's not an accusation. It's like, I think there's a lot of people who do that in faith, but like, I love that. It's like, well, no, what is a real intercessory prayer or what is a real like giving things to Jesus and in intention, offering masses, votive candles, rosaries, novenas, like what, what's all that for? If it's not done in the context of a relationship, get him yourself, mm-hmm. right? Cause you're carrying those intentions in yourself, like mm-hmm. in your heart, 
you have those desires, you have those, those, those unfulfilled kind of expectations that you're bringing to him. And well, you can just give him yourself. Mm-hmm. That, that, that makes so much, you're bringing all that with you, right? When, when John laid his, you know, the night of last supper, leaned his head back on Jesus breast and, mm-hmm. and gave himself. Mm-hmm. It was also himself that he brought to the cross mm-hmm. and right? he stayed there. Mary did too. Um, that's the, that's where we're invited to be. I love those crucifixion scenes at churches because that's the invitation, the liturgy, but that's the invitation throughout our life, right? Is to be with Mary and John there at the foot of the cross where Jesus is merciful. Love was poured out, right? Where his heart was pierced and to offer him ourselves, mm-hmm. right? I just remember the beautiful, not to just make it about, you know, well, it is about the Eucharist today, of course. We've talked about it before, but that present sacrifice communion, like why, why do we have the Eucharist like we do in the context of the mass? Why are we invited to offer ourselves with the Eucharistic species on the altar? It's because only Mary, John, and a few other people were there at the cross. And Jesus wants all of us, his disciples, to be able to offer ourselves mm-hmm. with him, right? Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity to the beloved Son. Like there at the cross, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's his invitation. That's really helpful. That's helpful for me, but I, I really hope that's helpful for, for folks who are listening who hear the struggle to um, to forgive. It sounds almost impossible, right? But Jesus said it himself, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like your carnival image of we're not just throwing out rings on a bottle game, that our intentions for God is not just some external thing. Go mm-hmm. fix that thing over there. And I'll stay over here and do whatever I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I'll just stay over here in my misery or my disconnectedness with you. Mm-hmm. No, I think we're really moving ourselves into him. Mm-hmm to think like him, to forgive like him, to love like him. And as he heals us, that's where his mercy takes root. He's not fixing that external thing. He's healing us from within and healing the relationships that we have with others. Um, so good thoughts on forgiveness. Thanks for bringing this up, Father. Yeah, you're welcome, Father Shane. And everybody, kind of lean into that. How's Jesus inviting you to experience his mercy in a new way, giving yourself to him? God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.